Hello friends and welcome to Talking Transformative Love, the podcast that talks vocation, love and mission, celebrating the valiant woman that was Mary Ward. Before we get into this episode, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country, all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people across Australia, paying our deepest respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome friends to Talking Transformative Love podcast. And today we have Michelle McCarty, who is the Director of Mission and Student Leadership. Michelle also teaches politics and religious education and is based at Loretto Mandeville Hall. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you, Joan. Now, Michelle, we've been asking different mm-hmm. people about things like where they grew up and why is it the place you grow up mm-hmm. has it always an influence on your identity, your faith journey. Tell us about Mm. that. Well, I grew up in Ballarat. So I am a, well, not really a country girl. It was in the township of Ballarat. And I think, yeah, my family and my childhood are a very formative part of who I am, as they are for most people. Mm. So my family, I grew up in a Catholic family. Both my parents are Catholic and my grandparents, their parents were Catholic. So it was a very 1970s Catholic household that I grew up in. So you said the rosary every night. Well, no, we didn't ah. do that because I think my mother in particular um, had to do that as part of her childhood. And she vowed and declared that we would never. she was so traumatised. Exactly. She wouldn't be doing that. And I think actually my father would have done that in his family as well. So they were kind of like the next generation of Catholics that were a bit... um, uh, less pious, I suppose, yes. but we were still prayerful in our family. We actually had, you're making me think now, we had this book that mum loved called Prayer After Nine Rainy Days oh. and Other Prayers. What, what if it wasn't nine, what if it was five rainy days? Exactly. And we yeah. pointed that out to her several times yeah. So she would pull out the book and say, right, we're going to uh, say this particular <laughs> prayer. There was prayer in there for after a pet had died or prayer for after you'd had a fight with your brother, which you know, yeah, I was which... often saying. <laughs> So we we went to a Catholic primary school. We were really um, involved in the parish and and grew up in that very kind of, well, what seemed to be, you know, really normal kind of sense to me. My grandmother, my maternal grandmother, who I called Nana, she was a really important influence on my life and I think on my faith because she was a very prayerful person. Mm. She had a very strong faith, but it was a very quiet faith. So it wasn't ever pushed into anyone's face but I used to sometimes go to mass with her and that was a special thing that we did together but she also contributed in the community so one of the big traditions or commitments that she had was to St Vincent de Paul Mm. and that was something that when I was a kid she would do that every week and I loved to go to you know to the op shop with her and you know help her in that in that place but it probably wasn't until a bit later in my life that I realized how grounded her community work and her social justice commitment was in her faith, I yes. think. Yeah. And my father's parents were like that too. They lived in the country in a, um, a smaller rural community and they and their children, so my father and his siblings, have all continued to be really involved in the yeah. life of the church and the mm. parish in that community too. So I guess it was just all around me that, that was they were my people, that was what we did, yeah. and that was a big part of who I was which was also then followed on through my schooling, which was probably the yeah. other big influence. So I went to Loretto College, Ballarat. Oh. The most important of all Loretto of schools, the mothership. Yes. The original. <laughs> and Where Gonzaga Berry is. Exactly. So. And I went there from year seven to 12 and I had a really amazing education there, I yeah. think. 
a number of sisters taught us in the school, but alongside the sisters, there were other teachers who just modelled and lived those Gospel and Mary Ward values that you know we talk about a lot now. Yes. At the time, they probably weren't being really mm. articulated, but they had a big impression on me. The, so the commitment to social justice, the belief in you know being the best person that you could be, nurturing people's flourishing to be their best selves, and that real kind of I think nurturing of an intellectual and an academic sort of curiosity mm. about the big picture of the world, that was a really strong part of my education yeah. at Loretto. And I, that had a big influence, I think, also combined with my family on the type of, yeah, the type of job that I went on to do and on the growth of my faith and my commitment to yeah. still being Catholic. Yeah, Captain Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> less Captain. <laughs> I know that you have an aunt mm -hmm. that is a Loretto yes, sister. I do. So I have an aunt who's a Loretto sister, Sister Ellie, Sister Ellie Taff. And, you know, we grew up knowing, I guess when I was a kid, I didn't really, you know, we didn't really understand everything about, I guess, different congregations or orders of nuns that yes. you could belong to. But as I grew older and I knew the kind of work that she did as yes. a Loretto sister, and then also saw the influence of sisters like Sister Bernadette Zeezing, who was mm. the principal of Loretto when I yeah. was there in Ballarat. Uh, Sister Margaret Mary Fling was my yeah, year eight okay. English teacher. Sister ah. Lizzie Donnan was in the school. I, she will tell you, did not have the privilege of being taught by her <laughs> because she was a very good maths and physics teacher and I was more of a humanities sort of person. Ah. But, you know, she was just an inspiring woman in her commitment to, to teaching and learning and yeah. to leading people in that particular way girls as well there was never any sense from any of those women that there was anything that a girl that girls couldn't do yeah it, just, it wasn't even talked about it yeah. was just this confidence I think that was instilled in students at Loretto Ballarat that that we could be and needed to be anything that we could be to make a difference yeah, in the yeah. world I think now obviously I can't ask you who your favorite Loretto's <laughs> sister was who was teaching you at the mm. time well, or you could. We? We could. Well, you probably couldn't, but <laughs> I would say that I learned the piano for some years at school, and I was ah. not musically gifted, but I practiced <laughs> very hard. And beautiful sister Elizabeth O'Loughlin, who died a few years ago, was my piano teacher, and a tiny woman who, by the time I stopped having lessons from her, you know, she was coming up to my shoulder, <laughs> and she was patient. She was kind and she was tremendously understanding of my oh. very limited musical oh, skills. Your giftedness, more my like. giftedness. <laughs> she was amazing. And all of those other sisters I mentioned, including my aunt, huge influence on me. But also I would have to say that Sister Libby Rogerson, whom I met when I lived at St Mary's College at the University of Melbourne yes. after mm. I finished school, Libby was there at that time. And she also um, has continued to have and be a wonderful mentor to me mm. and someone who I just think her zest and her energy and her insatiable sort of fire for for social justice, her great sense of humour and her uh, approach to how we go about being Mary Ward people and being people of the gospel has stayed with yeah. me since I was lucky enough to meet her yeah. in those St Mary's days. There you go. Mm. This is a lot of plugging for sisters. Mm. A lot um, of plugging for the yeah. sisters. Should I mention a few more... Yeah, sure, if you want <laughs> Well, to. I did just get a text from Sister Deirdre Brown, so she's also another <laughs> amazing, wonderful woman so, well, who I admire. Deirdre stopped deeply. messaging Michelle yeah, in the middle I of I can't it. reply. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> now, Michelle, obviously I came to know you mm -hmm. more. I mean, I knew of you, and I think I knew you a little bit, but I came to know you more in 2021. Mm -hmm. 
at Loretto Turak mm. because you met, you were kind of like my mentor, mm. which is a bit odd to say. But anyway, um, no, it's not that you're not Thank a mentor. You. I'm sure but... all the other mentors were busy. <laughs> yeah, they were booked no, that day. But I was I was placed in your care mm. for almost two terms mm. in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. Fun times. Fun times, and I, I came in every Wednesday and. You gave me jobs to do. No, just, you said, where's my Make coffee? me a cup of tea. Yeah. Photocopy um, this sheet. No, but you times. were, like, I was really inspired by you. All, all jokes aside, mm. I was inspired by you because I think you're an amazing leader. And for me, it was a real testimony of what you can do. And it, and it was really important because I was, you know, it was during my novitiate. Mm -hmm. It was like formation years. We all hate that word, but anyway. And just to look up to, to you as a leader was really important for me, especially during that time, because that time was a challenging time for me in many ways. What would you say is an effective leader? That's a good question, Joanne. I believe that you, that we can be leaders in, in everything that we do, really, yeah. in, in the the way we make, and that's, I think it is in, in our context or in my context, that's part of my role in the school is to model that and to be that for the students around me, but also for the, for the community around me. But we lead when we make, and effective leaders lead when they make, you know, good decisions. Yeah. Effective leaders mm. listen to people. And I think effective leaders understand that small things make a difference yes mm. and that a lot of small things you know from little things big things grow I guess yeah. that we can sometimes think that leadership is all about what people are doing out in front of us whether it's you know speaking to in a school context it might be you know speaking at an assembly or running a board meeting but leadership is also how you you know include people in a conversation or how you remember different members of the community and what's important or significant yeah. to them and I think what we probably found in the time when you were at the school too was because it was in the still in the middle of the pandemic we were making decisions all the time about what was really important yeah. and what was core and what was fundamental mm. and I think that's an important part of leadership as well is making those decisions about what what you prioritize either big picture or little picture and then how you how you stand by that, I guess, or how yeah. you stand firm mm. for that when everything else around you is going a little bit, you know, crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think leadership also has to be, it has to be backed up by a sense of conviction or a sense of faith and a sense of what you believe is important, but also a sense of perspective, I yeah. think, too, mm. about, you know, the world that we live in as opposed to the bigger picture of the world. And drawing out from other people then to the gifts that they have of leadership. Yeah. So leadership is about building the capacity of other leaders, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's a really important part of what you and what people get to do in a school yes. every day. Mm. Yeah. And so like with, with obviously you're working with a lot of young people. Mm. So the next, well, the current generation and it's an important role, but I think it's also really challenging mm. in, in the climate that we're in. I suppose, what would be some of the challenges that you face as an educator of this current generation? Well, I think that there's, I mean, there are many challenges. Some of them are ones that have, you know, been around for a while, yeah. but there are a lot of, and not, it's not about reverting to the COVID discussion every time you're asked to sort of think about what's going on in schools. But it, the reality is that it has made a huge impact on, yeah. on mm. educators, on those being educated and on their families. Mm. And I think that 
you know, for a lot of us involved in education, one of the profound things that came to be very obvious during the pandemic was the great disparity in different educational settings in Australia. Mm. And even in in a city like Melbourne, you know, we pride ourselves on thinking we're, you know, very egalitarian and Australia is a great place to live and everyone has access to an education and they do to a certain extent. Yes. But it Mm. was very obvious, I think, for everyone involved in schools that the resourcing of kids and their families during the pandemic was was wildly varied wherever you were in the city. And then on top of that, the, the response of different students and their families, no matter what their resources were, so students in our community or in other communities, the way they coped with lockdown and with the yeah. challenges of the mm. pandemic was radically different as yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the challenge at the moment too is to, even thinking back to leadership, is to bring students back to, and their families to a sense of schools as being a place of community. Yeah. Because I think ironically, during the pandemic, there was built up a sense of community in some ways in that, it, particularly in Melbourne, where things were pretty tough for those of you not listening from <laughs> Melbourne, there was a sense of community in that, you know, we're doing this for the greater good and the, the restrictions and the, the sacrifices that people are making are for the greater good of the yeah, community. Yeah. But ironically, that also led a lot of people, I think, back into retreating into individuality. And Absolutely. Into, I you agree. Know, I'm uh, in yeah. my own bubble yeah. and this is what I need to do to survive. And yes. even in a family, we're having six independent bubbles in here. Yes. So mm. bringing students and their families and, and teachers and members of school communities back to this sense of this is why we are a school community. This is about us doing things together. It's about us having shared values, shared yeah. understandings and a commitment to you know, a faith that does good works or to yeah. a faith that means something mm. in community or in communion has been really challenging. Yeah, and there's probably a lot of unlearning and relearning. Mm. And even for me walking, Mm. like during a pandemic, I I lived here in Abbotsford. Mm. And even uh, as Taylor and I walked around to get lunch, it's amazing the memories that just, that, uh, you know, came to me of riding my bike, you know, on these streets and the memory of going out to, the only thing we could really do was was to get a coffee. So... I know that everyone did it tough, but I think Melburnians did it really tough. Yeah. And it was that sense of, I think in, in a way, it probably for me, my experience was to go, to become more insular in yeah. many ways. And it was actually unlearning that yes, now. That's exactly right. And relearning something different about community and belonging. Yeah. And I think that's so really true. For students, that would have yeah. been huge. Yeah. Um, and I think it, the experience of, there was a in some ways, there was greater connection. We know that we all started to rely a lot more on, you know, on Zoom and Teams and all those things we actually realised we could do to connect. Yes. And in the school, we did some great things with, you know, people interstate and even connecting overseas. But the reverse side of that greater connectivity was less connection and greater isolation and inward sort of drawing, as you said, yeah. for some mm. for some people, which I think, you know, is going to have a long-term impact on on schools and education, but also on society. And that idea of the social media that everyone became even more addicted to, I think, yeah, during the pandemic, yeah, exactly. because that was your companion, that exacerbates that. You th- we think that it's actually, and yes, it does bring us out into the community and can be a great tool for activism and action, yeah. but it can also really push you back into one person sitting in front of one screen and yep. I'm in my own little world looking out at the world but not engaging in it. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mm. think that's a very, something that will be, Studied, yeah, by yeah, people I'm sure. smarter than you. Maybe you, you might into the future. Uh, uh, sorry, you might write a book about it. I might. It. <laughs> it's possible. Now, I read this because uh, I googled yep. you. 
I wanted to know who is Michelle. Google me. I don't <laughs> I think Googled there's anything you. out there, is there? There's a lot out there. No. Um, for those of you listening, you could Google Michelle McCarthy. No. And now, Michelle, I read <clears throat> this about you, and I think it was an article written by Loretto Ministries. And it said, Michelle's commitment to the gospel and stewarding the Loretto mission is grounded in a deep faith, passionate commitment to social justice, and strong belief in the capacity of young people, especially women, to assume leadership roles in our schools, church, and wider world. And I think this really captures who you are in some way or another. But maybe you might say yes or no or elaborate, please. Well, I'm not sure who wrote that. Um, it wasn't me, but wasn't, I think it's very accurate. It was very kind of them. <laughs> Look, I think those things are probably, you know, partially true about, I would like to think that they're true, at least about the, you know, the what I bring to the work that I do. I feel lucky to be a teacher, to be an educator. That's a really important part of who I am. And that might be a question later in the discussion. Yeah. But as part of that, it, it has been my commitment to to want to teach and educate in Catholic schools. So my faith is still very important to me. It has been like every person's. There have been, you know, many moments of doubt and challenge and yes. disconnection mm. and questioning. And my commitment to the institutional church is perhaps less strong <laughs> than it once was, as it might be for many people. On the other hand, I believe in the church and my faith being expressed in community. And for me, that community yes. is an, a community mm. of, of educators and, and learners and students and what that means, I guess, yeah. and local community too. So people that, you know, belong locally to the, you know, to the bigger church. So yeah, my faith is still important to me. And sometimes people that I know would ask many questions about why you would choose to still be involved in Catholic education, mm. let alone why you would still be involved in the church. But it has been important in my life. And, you know, my siblings are probably less connected to the church yes, than I am, yeah, yeah. even though we all had the same upbringing. It gives an, a meaning and a purpose to why I would do what I do. And that's still important to me, no matter how uh, problematic it might be. Yeah. To, so why are you to still connected it? to your faith? And... Because I think the personal faith that I have, how I see that lived in the community, whether it's the community of Mary Ward people or whether it's the Catholic education community or whether it's um, even a community that where Mary Ward International projects might yeah. be being pursued, there is something purposeful and something meaningful in there about holiness and dignity yes. and, mm. and grace that I can recognise nurtures me. The stories of the gospel continue to be foundational to who I am but that for me is where my I guess where my understanding of my faith is mm. I do think it's important to have a faith also then in community or in communion with other people so yep. not not a private individualistic faith yes and that mm. also is energizing yeah. when that when you can live that with people but that doesn't mean at all that I have, and I have very little answers to anything. I have very little ability, as you can tell, to articulate what that means oh, sometimes. I think, I think... But it's, it is a commitment that, you know, that I probably wondered if I would continue to make that a few years ago to be part of the church and to be part of Catholic education. But it's something that is, it's, it's home to me, but it's also important to me. And I see the goodness there. And yeah. I think that it's really important to be a part of that good news in that particular sense yeah what do you think your vocation is well I think it probably is being an educator as a teacher 
but also as, you know, out of that sort of formal yeah. classroom context yeah. as well in the way you carry out the other responsibilities you have as part of an educational community. But that also goes alongside, I think, with being curious and yeah. being open to being educated or learning or being a student yourself. Yes. So mm. I think it's so important to have curiosity and to have a willingness to always learn and ask questions. And I think, you know, people say this, don't they? But the older that I get, the more I think, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know. And I would like to know. I want to know more. I want to ask questions. That's something yeah. I always say to my students is we, we've got to ask questions yeah. all the time, questioning. Being an educator and the vocation of being an educator is to to instill that curiosity and that openness and sense of critical awareness in students or in people that I'm in community with, but to know that sometimes that to do that from a place of, of faith and morality and values mm. lead will lead to a long-term kind of flourishing that sometimes yeah. you're not going to see. Yes. So mm. that that's the hard thing about having that as a vocation. I guess every vocation is a, you know, has yeah, its challenges, yeah. but sometimes you don't see, you don't know... No. As a teacher, and anyone who's a teacher would know that too, you don't know if what you're doing, you, we, we can get really hung up on, you know, what is happening today in yeah. period six and have you handed in that assignment? Yeah. And if you don't hand that in and I don't mark that on sector, the whole world's going to collapse. Yeah. And then you think, I think I said before about <laughs> big picture and perspective, those interactions or those mm. questions, those conversations that you're having might not make a difference in someone's life till 10 or 15 years down the track. It might yeah. not ever, they might not ever so realise. It's a journeying with people. Yeah, it is. I guess it's that accompanying, isn't it? Yeah. I went to some Loretto thing once and one of the sisters there talked about an older sister that she knew, I think in England, and, you know, this is a variation on a theme, but this beautiful older sister was planting bulbs in a garden. Yeah. And she said how the planting of bulbs was like the vocation of educating because you're planting bulbs or plants, I don't even know, garden analogies, S for someone else's mm. springtime. And, yeah. you know, we don't necessarily know when that springtime is. And the springtime yeah. might be right here and now, and that's beautiful too, but it's that longer, taking the longer yeah. view, I guess, is really important as part of that vocation. Yeah. And so that's how my vocation has probably ended up. I don't know if I always thought that's what it would be, but yeah, I think that's what it is and... I'm mostly okay with yeah. that. So besides from education and leadership, what do you think gives your life energy and meaning? I think, well, lots of things. I think I'm really lucky to have a beautiful family yeah. and I'm close to all the members of my immediate family, but also my extended family. And that is a really important part of who I am. Yes. And they give me... Mm life and love and I'm grateful for that drama and, and drama and no they're not drama. <laughs> and they, tantrums no there's no tantrums <laughs> they're pretty good I think what else do I mean I'm well I'm very interested in politics and ideas and literature I guess yes. so again mm. uh, I would find that they're things that give me life you know, theatre, I can't film, believe you just said television. gives you life. Well, it does because it's so fascinating. Yeah. It's so fascinating. It's going to be frustrating. You, a question so about fascinating. you don't need to because ask Because that's a question not about my politics. forte. I should have had Livy Rogerson yeah, interview you. Yeah, you should have asked the question. Um. We don't need to go too political. <laughs> no. But everything is political. 
everything is political. Everything, you know, it relates to <laughs> how we, you know, how our society operates, operates and how our interactions how human, are. Yeah, yeah. so I find it behave. fascinating. It's actually very closely linked, I think, to psychology, which I have no background in, but I think politics and psychology and human understanding, how do humans interact, why do they do what they do. Why is, do they say what they yeah. say? What's the agenda? Exactly. What's... But why do people vote the way they vote? You know, yeah. what, why do people think someone is a good leader and someone else isn't? It's endlessly yeah. fascinating. So it gives me frustration, but it also gives me yeah, life. Yeah, I think mm. it gives you more frustration, but All that's those, okay. Yeah, some of those things. They're mostly indoor pursuits. You notice how I didn't say scuba diving or bushwalking? No. <laughs> I was I was hoping that you'd say like skydiving or, but that's all right. Nature. Uh, nature. Nature's Walking great. out yeah. on, you know, or walking coffee, on the beach. Walking on the, yeah, all those things, sure. Coffee. You've got to say coffee. coffee. We're, we're from Melbourne. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we had plenty of coffees yes. when I was at, you Coffee know, is a very important part of the vocation of education. It, it, it is because yep. that anyway that mm. gave us that gave us life and purpose. <laughs> now, what do these words mean to you? Because these were mm. the last words apparently that Mary mm. Ward said. Not apparently. Sorry, <laughs> those were the words that Mary Ward said. Uh, but she could have said something else. She I don't could know. have said a few things. She could have said. Mm. Bring me coffee. She I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> why isn't that written down? <laughs> Let your vocation be constant, efficacious, and affectionate. Now, before you talk about that, mm. what do you think your, not last words, oh. but what, what do you think your words would be to our audience? Um, what's, what's like the legacy that Michelle... I, that's a very still young for a legacy, question. but... I, I said I'd surprise you. Yeah, that's a tricky no thing to think about. I really, I, I can only go back to quoting Mary Ward. Like yeah. Mary Ward, very quotable. Yes, very uh, quotable. Uh, give us another quote. I'll tell you one that I remember from school. You know, we didn't talk about Mary Ward all the time at school like we do now. Yeah. No, but we didn't. But I remember, and it's very simple, but it was do good and do it well. Mm. And I like that idea of doing good, right, just community building, you know, positive things, but to do things well, I think that it, I think part of it comes from Mary Ward talking about verity, you know, this is what we have to do to do things yes. well, to do the mm. ordinary things well. Mm. And I guess that's sort of what I was thinking about before when I talk about leadership being the small decisions that you make, doing ordinary things well, not doing things half-heartedly or without a recognition of how well-resourced or how privileged or how lucky whatever the words are, our lives are, to to do the ordinary things well, knowing that we do that from that place of goodness and then thinking how we do those good things, those kind things, those compassionate, those just things that then build up a bigger picture of justice for mm. people. It sounds so sort of short and sweet, do good and do it well, but I think it means, it means a lot more than that. Yes. And that's something that always just, I don't know if it was drummed into me in year eight but it's just stayed in the back of my head and it's one of the things that I think that Mary Ward said like she did that's so profound and yet so clear-cut yeah so yeah. direct mm. and also not to have not to be weighed down by this sense of you know responsibility and duty and everything serious all the time because we no. know she didn't mean that she had that lightness yeah. of spirit about yeah. her and I think you know that's something that I really admire about the sisters again that I know that they they have a great capacity to to laugh at themselves and yeah. the world and to see the lighter and the yeah. hope-filled side of and life. And to chill a bit. Yeah. yeah. And you can do good yeah. and do do it well, yeah, as well yeah. as being that. Like, well, so a lot of the sisters ask me, so what are you going to do when you get to Melbourne? 
got much planned? And I say, oh, I said, no, I'll just chill. And then <laughs> someone was like, well, maybe you might want to fit some prayer in as well. Yeah. <laughs> I said, chilling is prayer. Yeah, that's right. That's another way of describing prayer. But, yeah, that's yeah. true, actually. But yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I have no real, yeah, so I have to quote Mary Ward. I could quote, I think Gonzaga Barry is eminently quotable and someone that is also a massively significant person in our story, if we're talking about yeah. in our Mary Ward circle. And she, someone, you know, talked about leadership again, leaving behind something upon which others can build. And the the end of that quote is, and so rise higher still. And I yeah. think that's amazing. Mm. And again, there's that sense of perspective, of big picture, of, of rising up. I mean, it's got that sort of spiritual or biblical connotation to it as well. But doing something again there's that sense of vocation of education you're doing something building something that others are going to draw upon so we all rise together whoever yeah, that is yeah, yeah. and that rising is that also we, that evokes that lightness of spirit but it also says that there's something bigger than all of us and when we get bogged down in all the day-to-day tedium <laughs> that yeah, sometimes yeah. drags us down it's just that little reminder that she had like mary wood had these very smart women that there's something bigger out there all people of faith know that when we recall why we have faith yeah. but it's a nice mm. way of thinking about it and i like that idea of leaving behind yourself something upon which others can build or variation on the quote yeah. and so rise higher still i think mm. that's really beautiful thank you i think we'll leave it there i like that that last bit Thank you, Duan. Thank you, Michelle. It's been amazing. And I can't wait to have more coffees with you. <laughs> Next one is on me. Yes. Thank you, because I'm poor. Oh, you're poor. <laughs> did you take a vow of poverty? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. Well, Not yet. <laughs> in Melbourne, coffees cost $6. So. It, uh, no, it's yep. atrocious. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for coming on the journey with us. This podcast was developed for Loretto Vocations Week. We want to continue the conversation, so we hope to see you at the next episode.